Uh, I want to start with this, though. This is a bummer. I know people, I was a little conflicted as far as people pay money for the show, and I want to give them the product that they uh, pay money for it. I'm self-indulgent at times, but my core belief is if you're willing to spend money on this show, I want to give you what you come here for, and uh, sad stuff is not what you come here for, but I can't host a talk show host and not I can't be a talk show host in Washington DC and be, and be myself and not talk about the passing of uh, Cameron Gray and um one of the things I had to stop myself I got I felt myself getting irritated because E-Rock and a bunch of other people that met really well they were leaving comments because I posted about Cameron passed over the weekend I believe he passed on um Saturday I I don't it, the, the timeline's a little fuzzy for me. I got a message on Saturday night that he had died unexpectedly, tragically. And then I spoke to his wife on Sunday morning, which was whoo, that's uh that's tough. Um people kept saying on my feed, I'm sorry that your friend passed away. And um they didn't mean anything by it. I mean, they're just trying to be nice, but I was getting irritated because friend is not even it doesn't come close to covering it. Like, it's not, this isn't my friend that passed away. This is one of the most pivotal human beings that I've ever known in my life and in my career that died horribly suddenly uh, with no warning whatsoever and has now left his wife and it's just this awful, it's just, it's awful. It's one of the most awful things that ever happened. Um, I know that uh, Tor and Iraq actually got together. I'd like to thank both of them. They found the radio file. I did this show for WJFK for free. Um, called Radio File that Monk sponsored, by the way, um, where I would interview radio people. And I interviewed, uh, I'm trying to remember, Bennington, uh, Kumia. Uh, I think we tried to get Opie. Uh, Norton was on there. E-Rock was on there. Sam Roberts was on there. Yeah. It was great. I love doing it. I'm a big Radio File, still am. And one of the people that I interviewed was Cameron Gray. And Cameron was not uh, just a guy that worked in radio. Cameron Gray was, if you are a fan of 106.7 WJFK, 106.7 The Fan, go fuck its mother. But 106.7 WJFK is the finest radio station that has ever existed and the finest talk radio that's ever existed. Cameron Gray was, his fingerprints are all over that. I mean, he was the operations manager. He was G. Gordon Liddy's producer. He was, when I interned with the sports junkies 20 some odd years ago, Cameron Gray was the producer with Chris Kiner. That the, He was the guy that was pivotal and me getting a shot in the industry uh, that I worked in for for 20 years. Um, He was not only just that, he was uh, a professor at George Mason that taught radio production, COM 354. I took his class. Cameron Gray taught me to cut reel-to-reel tape. Tor will never have to do that, but I was old enough to where radio stations, WJFK, was still using reel-to-reel tape. They start using Cool Edit as well. I don't know if you're familiar with that as a precursor to all the lovely software that we have right now. Yeah. But I was learning both, and I learned them from Cameron. Cameron was the producer of Ron and Fez. The, the, the only time I ever met Ron and Fez back in those days, I came in to hold a microphone because Cameron needed help, and I met Ron Bennington, and I, I met Fez Watley. Um my first piece of radio production was a clip of Fez talking about a Jamocha shake that Cameron bought him. And my first piece of radio production was I made a techno remix of Fez talking about a Jamocha shake that Cameron bought him, and I played it for him, and I'll never forget, he laughed his fucking balls off. It's, it's one of my proudest moments in my career is that, because the guy was a goddamn genius. When it comes to radio production, when it comes to engineering, anything to do... With that medium, he's a fucking genius. And he was completely underappreciated in his time. 
I don't know if it was because of his politics or his background. I have no idea. But Cameron never got the shake that he deserved. Um, and he was just the nicest guy in the world. And the part of it that will always that I'll always remember, Tor, is it's easy to help people that you think can help you. You know, like if I'm if I'm offering you something and because I think one day you're. Cameron Gray helped me when I had nothing to offer, right. when I had absolutely no way to pay him back. Um, he went above and beyond the entire time I knew him to try to train me to be able to earn a paycheck in radio. And I, I would never in a million years have ever been able to host a show if it wasn't for him. Um, and not only that, he's an enormous figure in DC radio history. If you listen to the fight, that there's an audio of... Ron, in error, by the way, cursing Cameron out because Cameron didn't know Fez was in the studio and called to ask if he was in the studio. There's this massive fight. The stories about Liddy are fucking timeless. Timeless. If you know the stuff that went on behind the scenes on the G. Gordon Liddy show, it's, you know, he's there for the junk. When the junkies were becoming, the junkies were on in evenings. I mean, they were a big show, but they're not the titans of the industry that they are now. He yeah. was there for all of that. Um, and he was there in the golden age of talk radio in Washington, D.C. Um, and nobody could boast the lineup that WJFK did. You just couldn't do it. You, could, you, you Stern and Don and Mike, when Don and Mike were 900-pound gorillas in the market, the Grease Man, the Junkies, Opie and Anthony, Liddy, you go down the list, you'll never, ever be able to recreate it. And you can you can take any fucking market you want. Don't even don't say Tom Likas to me. Don't say fucking all the shit on the West Coast. I mean, those are big shows. I got nothing against. But you can't compare to what WJFK had. And he was he was in the thick of it. And he was so nice to me. And he was so giving. And he taught me so much. And and kept kept in touch. Kept in touch. Is he he was a radio guy, so he didn't get to stay in one job for a hundred years. He moved around and was at all different stations. If you if you were a Redskins fan, you saw fucking Cameron holding the parabolic microphone for Sonny Sam and Frank. Like he was down there doing that. Um he's he's just a guy that will that, that unfortunately is never going to get what he deserves if you are a radio fan in DC because he wasn't um you know CK was on the air more. CK became, you know, this bigger figure um, and they worked together, so that kind of obfuscates it a little bit. But also, he's not a Baba Booey type. He wasn't a type that was going to get a lot of airtime yeah. in that capacity. But just knew everything about the business, was great at everything in the business. He loved Las Vegas. He loved his dogs. And um, he would book me on all the shows that he produced when I, you know, he booked me on national shows constantly when I really wasn't qualified to be on them. And he was um, just a hell of a guy. And he's so much more than my friend. Uh, he was my friend. And um, I'll always view him as a friend, but mentor doesn't cover it. Uh, there's two or three names I could give you. CK is one of them. I'd say Michael Hughes is one of them. There's two or three names where I'm like, this. These people allowed me to become to achieve my dream. My my dream of my entire life was to host Afternoon Drive on 106.7 WJFK, not 106.7 The Fan. Not the fan of New York, not in Los Angeles. I wanted to be in that building right down the street from where we are right now. And fucking, I wanted people to look through the window and wonder if I was in there the way I looked through the window and wondered if Don and Mike were in there. And I did that. And a lot of that reason was that guy. And it would not have happened without him. Um, and it is a fucking tragedy that he is dead. 
And there is no justice because there's no way he should be. Uh, he had way too much life left in him, and he had way too much that he could offer, and uh, he is underrated in everything that he did for this industry, and I will <clears throat> I will miss him quite a bit. And uh, it's a horrible, horrible thing, and I feel really bad for his wife. So um, what Tor Erock did was they found this episode of Radiophile that I did where I interviewed Cameron because he deserved to be interviewed on shows like that and he deserved he's you know he he should have been I, I can't tell you how many times I would lose a producer at the fan and I'd be like that's who I want I want him to be my producer and like well we can't afford him you know he's he's at a different level than you are right now because they won't fucking pay any producers at that guy the only way you can get a, a raise if you're a producer at 1067 the fan is you have to become the assistant program director also you got to do a whole nother set of jobs if you want to make more than $30,000 a year, it is a fucking travesty. Um, so I could never make it happen. It was always something that I wanted. I wanted him to be my producer, and it never could happen. Um, so that was an awful thing to hear. Um, I don't know how to make sense of it, Tor. Like, you could say he lived a full life, and everybody's he, he made everyone's life better. He shouldn't be dead. That guy should not have fucking died at He's five or six years older than me. You know, he's he has plenty of more life left to live. And it's a very tough thing to wrap your head around. But um, if you are a fan of DC radio at all, like I am, then you owe him. You uh, you you owe him a debt because it wouldn't have been the same without him. And it crossed so many different fucking avenues uh, tour with so many different entities that were influential to me. And not just influential that I still listen to and I still enjoy and I still find entertainment from. So I, I, I wanted to open up the show by at least saying that um, I know it's a bummer, um, but he was not just my friend. And if you see people talking about him online, there's there is a reason he I don't know how many people he helped in the same way he helped me. But it was a lot. It was a lot. There's a lot of kids in that fucking class. I took a lot of radio courses Tor. I don't know how many radio courses you took. Most of them weren't worth a fucking thing. Yeah. Most of them did nothing to help me. And Cameron Gray and Chris Kiner made sure that I got that internship. Um, they made sure that I got into the fabric. It, becoming an intern is the only way I know how to become what I became, which was a host. And that avenue is cut off now because it's 2023 and it's going to die on the vine. And we're just going to have wacky, weird podcasts with people putting potato filters over their faces. I, I don't know. I don't know what entertainment's going to be in 10 years, but the, the, the entertainment that I love is, I don't know if it exists anymore. So there's, that's what I, did you want to say something? I'm sorry. I yeah. I, at first, very, uh, I mean, terribly sad that that happened. It's, it's the worst. He just sounds like he was just the guy, you know, he was great. What, and then for you that, that I, I've have, I don't see, I haven't seen anybody outside of radio or professionally podcasting that doesn't have a connection with somebody that initially said, Hey, yeah. here's, here's do this. You're, you're the intern now. That's this is how you do it. Um, everyone that I know has one. I have a couple people, you, including Shud. Sure. Uh, and it's it's a it's a connection that you can't really you can't just go to like Bloomberg and say, oh yeah, this is this is my boss. I, right. I really deeply care about care about this person because how much of a chance are you taking in that? Whereas with this specific industry, it always feels like you're taking a chance on every single person. You are. And. It's it's impactful. So to lose somebody with that impact, uh, it is it, it's. 
I don't know. You can't you can't describe it. I think better than how you describe. Well, it. thank you. I pre- I wanted at least a word and two. I wanted to mention. There's I'd probably say four people on my Mount Rushmore. She's the one that gave me my first full time job in radio. So I need to mention her as well. Um, even though boy, if there's someone I had less in common with than Lisa Warden, it is fucking crazy. That's the way that it worked out. But uh, God bless her as well. Um, it, it you, you can't you can't. You're not going to make it without help, and you got to have someone that's willing to help you, and I'm not built that way. I, I'll i be honest. It's nice of you to say that I need you. I needed someone that could do a producer job for me that could also speak into a microphone. You can do both. So give yourself enough credit to realize that well, if I helped you in any way, I'm happy that I help you because I, I have affection for you. I won't drop the L-bomb. I know how you feel about that. We're getting close. Right, but, but <laughs> that I was selfish in what I did for you because I needed you, so... If we help each other out, that's great. Cameron did not need me. He never did. I never, he never hired me. Like, he never fucking was in a situation where he's like, oh, this guy is going to make me look good because he's funny on the, he helped me because, and that's, that's something I don't do. And that's something that most people I don't think do is they help people because they can get something out of it. And when, when someone doesn't, and then it leads you to the only thing in your life that you ever wanted to do, there's, it's going to indelibly just be fused to your your core and it's something i'll always remember um but i I appreciate you saying that and if you know anything that you learn here helps you get to where you want to be then i'll be very happy for that but i'm selfish okay uh we're gonna put that episode of radio file up on uh itunes yeah so if you like do me a favor clip this here gotcha and put that in front of it will do is that cool yep Thank you. Uh, here's here's your episode of Radio File with my good friend Cameron Gray. Um, and please say a prayer for his wife and everybody else that's been affected by his passing. Appreciate it. This is Radio File with Chad Dukes. Hello there, friendos. Chad Dukes here, 1067 The Fan. This is the Radio File podcast. Very excited um, for a new episode. First, let me thank our brand new sponsor, Monk's Barbecue in Percival. Absolutely. My favorite place on earth. Best bourbon, best barbecue, best beer. They have everything great. Go out there, tell them I love them. Uh, in that way, tremendous uh, Monks BBQ on all the social media. They are absolutely the best. Cameron Gray is my guest. Hi. Um, hello, Cam Daddy. Dukies, hello. Good to see you, bud. It's an honor to see you and be in your studio. Your this studio. Palatial studio, right? I mean, this is like every teenage boy in an <laughs> 80s dream studio. Yeah, because I'm 41. <laughs> oh, exactly. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, we're recording in the big old Duke studio just because it makes more sense than going all the way downtown. Um, but Cameron, you have, so let's go through it. I met you when you were the executive producer of the sports junkies in the evenings. Okay. Right. You taught me how to organize cards. You are the reason today mm-hmm. why I pitch a, a hissy fit at the radio station because I'll hear two live reads for car dealerships in a row. Oh, and it just, I, I oh, go, the worst, huh? the worst, <coughs> you can't have it. If you're one of the last people who watches local TV, every break is filled with car spots back yeah. to back. How could they not separate that? I don't know. It's beyond me. So I got to tell this story real quick. Cameron, when I was interning, Cameron was the producer of the show. He's very nice to me. Um, was I? You were. You are very kind. I'm kind of a dick. So I'm, I'm, I'm just, it's amazing. I have no memory either, so I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. People that follow you on Twitter, you mix it up a little bit more there than you do in real life, I think. But... Um, I got it. That's true. So what happened was we didn't used to have like one of these big computer systems where you just dropped audio files in. Oh, no. There were eight tracks. There were carts. Right. And so Cameron would say, all right, one of my jobs was I'd have to bring the spot load in for the commercial break. Right. 
and they had little dots on them. I'll never forget. One was red, one was green, one was yellow. Yes. And you, and nobody ever paid attention to it, but you took the time and said, now look, you can't put two red spots together. You can't put the yellow. But you explained the colors. Yeah, well, what they were, they signified what type of spot it was, right? right? And then there was PSAs. Well, type of spot, you mean like the red ones were like all music, lots yeah. of action, and then the green ones would be just like like this, just voice. Sure. So just the, the level of production. So you couldn't put those, you had to mix those up. Right. But then you also, he'd be like, look, this is a live read. We can't have two live reads in a row because it, it muddies the waters. Right. So like if Cakes is doing a live read for fill-in-the-blank car dealership, you couldn't have EB doing a live read for fill-in-the-blank right. window dealership. In 2020 now, does that make sense to you? Or 100%. Okay. <laughs> Dude, I'm at the radio station and it'll go first of all we'll, we'll go straight to break there'll be no production i'm like what are you, where's the imaging like what are you doing right 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 how right. just gonna know what's going on so then it goes live read eb live read lurch live read me really? live read i'm like ah! no, no one's getting anybody there's no money i'm honored i'm honored so i go to ck and i'm bitch i go what what's going on because right. he knows he, yeah. he was there with you and he's like i don't know because i talk to the traffic people all the time they don't know what they're doing and i'm like well, this is this is one on one. You can't put like a Ford commercial right next to a Kia commercial, especially by two hosts on the same show. Right, <laughs> makes no sense. Does it, does it? You think that makes sense to everybody in the listening audience? I, I don't know. I, I think that you know when we sit here and behind these microphones and we're hypersensitive to certain things, especially because we grew up in in a different time Man. in radio. Um, so I don't know. I, 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 I think it's important. And I'm glad you still think it's important. Oh, uh, but less you traumatized and, me. Yeah, less and less people just. I, I don't know. I, I, the 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 old ways of doing things. Everything's being reevaluated. Sure. Who knows? But I would say that the logic behind you, if you have two live reads back to back, the second one is always going to lose effectiveness. Of course. And then if you're plugging two. I mean, you can only buy one car, right? Right, <laughs> right? right, right. But just, you know, the funny thing too is, and I, I'm sure they still do this because uh, they did it when I when I was at JFK. You know, you had four junkies, and each one would be plugged. They would have a different car sponsor, yeah. And it's just, I, I get it because you know the you maximum you can get four times the the endorsements. But it's just, I always find it funny to have compete guys on the same show yeah. having competing endorsements. I'm positive it's all because salespeople are wretched and they can't do anything. And right. I think that's why we're a sport station i think it was too difficult for them to go out and try to explain what 1067 uh, this wjfk was uh and this is easier it's hey we talk yeah. wizards you know you we know, talk I, nationals it's it's hard because i listen I, I love you like a brother and i have for a long time i love the junkies i love ck but it's still to this day it's hard for me to have 1067 oh, as, as a sports station because what we did you know with the royal we back in the in the 90s and 2000s i mean that was that was unbelievable. It's unprecedented. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And it was so, it was such an honor for me to be a part of it, even though, you know, whatever limited role I had behind the scenes. But it was, we did stuff back then. And, you know, you did it when, um, when you were in Baltimore and, and in Phoenix. And yeah. um, just that type of radio is gone. It is. And it's too bad because one of the things that I really prided myself on when, when I was at JFK is, um, the hideouts, Peter Rosenberg, you know, the guys, and look at Peter Rosenberg now, he's bigger, than, he's bigger than all of us. Um, but, you know, you had this like, this quote unquote bench sure. of shows, right? And there's, 
you, need, you don't even have a starting lineup now, much no. less a bench. These, the shows, that format, that type of radio, that type of entertainment is gone. I don't know if it's PC. I don't know if it's a sign of the times. But the stuff we did back then, sometimes, of course, it went over the top. But, man, oh, man, those are the days. It's not even like, I mean, people look back and say, like, well, there's like sex in St. Patrick's Cathedral or we for a we. I just, if you plopped that radio station down with the way culture is currently, you can never, you can it, never it would last it. five minutes of the first it. shift. It's everyone's so goddamn uptight, and you can't. There's no, there's no context for humor anymore. It's like I'm attempting oh, to no, be funny. No. Um, so that's different than if I'm screaming this at you as I'm driving by in my minivan. You right. know, there's we can't allow that anymore. Um, I tell you what was tough for me, Cameron. Cameron was operations manager at WJFK. You produced on a bunch of shows. I got to ask you about the G Man because mm-hmm. I, when I put that tweet out, I had so many people just immediately shoot me. Oh, G Gordon Liddy! Like I gotta. I mean, which he, tweet? Remind me which tweet. I, I put a tweet out and I said, "Hey, you're coming on the show, and here's some of the things you've done oh, oh, on oh, the Radio oh, File Show." That, right. And I had a lot of people say, "I listened to G Gordon Liddy. You got to <laughs> ask him about this, 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 this." And I'm like. Yeah, but also, and let me stop for one second. But also, think about the power of what we did back then. Yeah. That's that was like in the early two thousands. Right, it's twenty twenty. I know. And people still have such incredible memories, vivid and, memories. You know, and like you know, we're both Stern diehards, and not to say that you know, and people remember everything about the Stern show. Not to say that we're at the Stern level, but just that fact that the the shows and the things that we did made such an impression on people's psyches that yeah. they still remember to this day. It's not this. It wasn't just throwaway for them. Do you think that? Um I've always thought that I was listening to a Rogan podcast and he said, I think that UFO talk attracts schizophrenics. And I thought about that. and I was like, that's probably true. Talk radio, Mm -hmm. especially the kind you're talking about, not political or sports, but interpersonal communication talk. I guess we used to call it. How How much do you think that's like a bug zapper for mentally troubled people? Wow. Because I've never, the the, the level of mental illness Myself included, like, you know. Well, you say yourself included. I mean, and like we go back to the Stern thing. There's a bit of mental uh, insanity, mental unwellness, instability for all of us in this industry, especially for the people. No offense. Especially for the people on the air. You've got to have a certain set of of damaged morals and weird uh, outlooks on life to be a talk show host. I mean, normal people. Don't do radio shows. Look at every crappy podcast. Yeah. Everyone who thinks you know they can uh, buy a radio and a, a computer mixer thinks they can do a podcast. Most of them are failures yeah. because they have nothing to say and it's not interesting. I, what is what bums me out about the podcast thing, which is ironic because we're sitting here doing a podcast. Yeah, but you're successful at it. Well, but also I, I can't. I'm a broadcaster. Like there's, uh, right, I, yeah, I know what you're gonna say exactly. You know what I mean? Like you, I, you, I, you come with that that training sure. that's requisite. Sure, there's lightning in a bottle every once in a while. But if you just think you can open up. A mic and talk and be entertaining without that that structure and that guidance and yeah. and, and that and even like a clock format i mean you really need that to succeed i feel like the the podcasts have kind of and again you're right most of them just fall by the but wayside awful. but the entitlement that people that ha- run podcasts <laughs> right. have like right. why well, have a podcast well so what i mean you, opossums you know could have babies like that doesn't mean <laughs> yeah, that, that you, twitter bio podcast host exactly well, who cares like, who gives an f <laughs> doesn't matter like i've put You're in still an unenter- unentertaining douche yeah if you put in if you put in thousands and thousands of hours doing x y and z you know broadcasting right. that's worth i don't know how much that's worth but and just the, the the fact that platforms are just given to everybody now i think is why you have just such this hysteria yeah. now with broadcasters and there's no ramifications um I'm, I'm go back to go back to g gordon g 
G. Gordon Liddy is, for people that don't know, G. Gordon Liddy is like a mythical figure when it comes to United States history. Yes. He's like a Leviathan. Yes. Right, right. Um, and his radio show, I'll never, it is got to be the most unique thing I've ever listened it to. Was, it was unbelievable. He had the stacked and packed calendar and him, I'll never forget him talking about sharpening a pencil and keeping it in his front pocket so if he had to, he could stick it into a man's brain. Yeah. He just, he would talk about being in prison and uh-huh. And the whole Watergate scandal. Remember, I'm I'm young enough where I I wasn't around for Watergate. Like I didn't know the details, so I was just listening to this this man on the radio um, talk about politics, and I really didn't have a context that I do now, knowing like how big of a figure he is right. and all that. He hosted middays on this pirate ship of a radio station <laughs> between Stern and who's Donna that? Mike, but was and it the Grease like- Man? Okay, you're right. It, it did go from Stern. Yeah, I, I thought there was because once in a while they would throw like Bill O'Reilly in or something. Well, like he was that. after Liddy. Yeah. O'Reilly came much after, and I was. I think O'Reilly might have been on the station in some way or shape or form when Oscar and I came back from Phoenix. But Liddy was this four-hour conservative political talk show right. in the middle of just you know pandemonium, right? And he would have to interact with Don and Mike, and oh. it was just such an odd thing. How long were you his producer? I, well, John Pop was the producer producer right. in the studio. Uh, I was the assistant producer from the day the show started, like ninety three, mm. till I left in I think oh four oh four sounds about right about oh three oh four around then. But you know, you talk about the interaction with Don and Mike, the, the hatred. Yeah, I mean, Don hated him with a with a red hot passion, and Gordon didn't ever care. Right? You, know, you think he cares about Don Geronimo? We should make him. a list of people though that Don liked back in those days. <laughs> I mean, the podcast would be over right now. Fair enough. If we made fair, that list. Fair enough. But he re- but he was just so vocal about right. how much he hated it, and always and the the, the fights uh, on the air between those two. It was just so freaking uncomfortable, especially for John, who was in the studio and would have to like you know. T- talk about the uh, transition between the shows sure. you know he'd have to be there cleaning up all the carts and all this stuff and then Don would come in and it was just it was just douche chills and that's what's crazy people don't know is like in our radio station now like the junkies and i have a studio and then our midday show has a different studio so there's none of that if i was in a feud oh, with somebody the really? radio station yeah i oh. would never have to see them oh wow so that's what it's so different like i i think one of the reasons why i'm so grateful for i don't like our radio station like it's i don't like sports right. so it's very difficult right. for me it's good that you're a sports talk show right <laughs> but like well you know i mean I, there's a lot of butchers probably that go home and they're vegetarians <laughs> fair, you know enough, I mean? fair enough but i i really appreciate the staff because the shows all get along like we all genuinely like that's each good. other that's good. we never had that i think Cameron, I think why it's made such an impact on me is because not only was i a part of a lineup where everyone hated each other but you have this um this animosity the entire time I listened to the radio station where Stern right. hated Don and Mike, Don right. and Mike hated Stern, and Don Opie and Mike Anthony and Ron and Faze. hated everybody. Everyone hated one person hated this person, one person liked this person. There was an ad. here was an, uh, an alliance here. I mean, yeah. it was, you to navigate those waters was crazy times. And then they're fighting, <laughs> they're fighting shows on different stations, and yeah. they're fighting management. Everyone's fighting all the time. Right, it's all hate. It's uh, which is why the craziest thing is that we look on it so effing fondly. I know it was awful at the time. Do you think? I mean, it was such. It was so dysfunctional. But you go back and think about such fond memories of it. But at the end of the day, it was a terrible place to work. Is it Stockholm syndrome? Like what is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think you just, you you just at the time and looking back at that, you were just part of something so big and so right. great and so much fun that you you put up with the crap because yeah. there was there was so much good attached to it. I got a friend of mine. Um, and he's dating this girl. She's a nice girl, but apparently, like her dad's this big greasy drinking crazy bar fighting alcoholic right. biker guy right. so she's dating my friend 
who's this big, crazy, drinking, alcoholic, fighting guy that's 30 years older than her. Right. So I'm like, I think sometimes, like, when you have some sort of trauma, you <laughs> You're look for trauma. Right. right. Absolutely. So I, I don't know about you. Both I, came, my, I came from a broken home, so I right. guess that's why I love it. So did I. Both my parents, huge screamers. Hundred <laughs> percent. Crazy chaos. My dad pulled a gun on my mom numerous times. Well, uh, that's, yeah, I don't, I, my dad moved my, I remember when they got divorced, my dad actually snuck into the neighborhood because he saw the keys to my mom's car right. and moved it. <laughs> three miles away and just parked it and left it's just chaos so i think a lot of that has to do with the type of people that are drawn to constant fighting and right. anger right that's probably where all the mental illness we're talking about comes from first side drawn to that let's for first side now i'm gonna ask you a question then sure because that is that dictated i mean i'm i just turned 49 and i i'm, I'm in a good stable healthy marriage now look at you but for many years i was attracted to that trauma and that oh you mean a relationship relationship yeah. yeah and that um you you see what your parents had and you always think that you can't ever get you, you, it'll never be better than that right. and you you will find yourself attracted to people who can give that to you and who people who can uh, manifest that in your life uh, your present life sure did you find that too no i went the other way um i I can't have any of it. I don't think my my wife and I probably have had three arguments, and it's just because I won't have it. Like I, when my mom and I get into vicious arguments now, that's it. We're not talking. You know, I'm yeah. not. I'm not going to put up with it. Like right. my, I think my brother went the direction you're talking about, where he still kind of like welcomes that into his life. Right. Um, but I just, I, I for whatever reason, the way it clicked in my brain was now that I'm away from that, I never want it ever again. Yeah, it took me way too long to get there. Yeah, yeah. I remember. <laughs> I, remember some, I remember some of your war stories. <laughs> Um, Talk about the stack and fat calendar. Yeah, go back. That was, that was a little litty. I think I think I have one somewhere. Everybody that I know yeah. is like, I think I still right, have a stack. It, it's in calendar. someone's basement somewhere. Is women in bikinis holding up guns, rifles? Right. <laughs> could, think about could, making that right now. Could they? Do you think that would ever happen? Right now? Yeah. Yeah, I think like. Uh, I think some people could, but you know, all the baggage that comes along with right. that, you certainly couldn't have it in middays on a, you know, radio show in Market Seven or whatever it is. Do you think if JFK was around in the time of Twitter, they would have the shows would have survived? That's a really good question. Um, Stern, yes, I think because he's Stern. But when you look at a Donna Mike or you know, much less a G Gordon Liddy, right? Or a Greaseman kind of you know uh, imploded himself. But do you think that station would have lasted in, in culture? Cul- it, it cancel depends. Culture twenty twenty. I remember Don got like um, a DWI or something, right. and it was in the local paper. And I remember oh, yeah, yeah. just staring at it, and I couldn't believe it because I've this. It was him out of the show. It was him having something bad happen to <laughs> right. him, and it, it was, was like as a, as a human. It's a very humanizing right. thing. That's every weekend. Everyone's got a phone. Everyone's got a Twitter account. These guys are all debaucherous. You hear the you know, Mike stories about what he would do on the weekends, that bar that he owned. Yeah. No, everybody would be in jail just because you have just nonstop reporting going on all these the people. Bar. Right? Omeris. Omeris, man. I went there once. It was. Well, yeah, I think everyone went there once. I had a great time. It was a very good time, but I can also understand why it's no longer in existence. Oh, my God. This is your Omeris. I know. This, this, but, but, this podcast empire. But think about Stern. Stern's a homebody. Stern goes to work. And he goes home and he's very clandestine. And I think he can survive because of all that. But you're all these a, so crazy DJ guys. You're a stern lifer like me, right? Oh, of course. You Just know what I listen to? I'll be honest YouTube. with you. Yeah, you t- yeah, that's, that's right exactly right. I I go back and find. I got one right here. I got yeah. one right here that I was listening to on the 80s, way in. And I, you know, I'll take um, I'll take walks every once in a while um, just to clear my head. And I will find uh, I'll find uh, I'll go to YouTube. Howard yells at Gary. That's exactly and, what I do. And I'll find like a two hour rant from yeah. Stern. 
and the, it's unbeatable. It's there, absolutely unbeatable. The, the show today is such, it's nowhere close to that. I, I can't listen to him. I still love him as a person, sure. what he's done for this industry, and what he's done for me personally, hours and years of entertainment, but I can't listen anymore. Let me ask you this, though, and I have, um, the reason why I have mixed feelings about it is, there are bands that I that I dig that I started liking for X, Y, and Z, and then they've kind of grown or changed, and sure. they're making different music, and I don't necessarily like what they're doing as much anymore. Right. I don't ever want to be the guy that if somebody is trying to reinvent themselves or trying to progress and mature, mature, um, that I'm saying, oh no, just keep you know keep playing you know keep playing Holy yeah, Diver, keep playing you know? the hits, right? I get that, but there's a point where maybe it's just too much evolution. I mean, when you're just like you're not even the same person anymore. Do you think he, he? Do you think he's always been the guy that he was when we listened, or do you think this is the guy that he always has been, and no, now he's finally always, comfortable? He was always that guy, and and the years yeah. of of self admitted therapy have i think have turned him into the day that man he is today Artie lang described it one time in the best way i possibly could. first of all i have nothing but respect for stern if i met him i think i'd oh, probably oh, have a heart attack and 100 percent. Yeah. i'd probably pass out too um Artie lang said he was a kid with his face pressed up against the glass and inside of the glass was jennifer aniston right. and jimmy kimmel and all these different people and it said he was the guy that you thought was going to burn down the machine, but he actually <laughs> wanted to be a part of the machine. And yeah. I was like, yeah. that's a, all of that anger and vitriol. And Robin played a news clip of a famous person saying something, and I'm going to berate them for 25 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah. It was anger because he wanted that and didn't yeah, have it. Fair enough. Well, I mean, it's evidence. That I, I, a few months ago, I guess, recently, um, they, they had Howard and Hollywood week. Yeah. And, you know, 90s, 80s, 90s, Howard would have said, are you kidding me? Yeah. Howard and Hollywood week? But can you blame him for wanting to... I mean, if that's what he wants, who are we to say you can't do that? The reason why we're acting this way is because we're hurt that that show that we love so much no longer exists. Yeah, no, I, you're right, but I, I, maybe there's a way to meld the two, but to, okay. to to be a completely different show to me, it's almost like false advertising. Maybe, it, it, but is he, I don't know, is he is he claiming to be the same guy? I mean, every time I, because he's, no, he's addressed no, this all, stuff. Not at all. I think he's been pretty open about the fact that he's changed what he wants oh, to do. I, I don't think he's hiding it. I don't think he's hiding it at all, but it's just it's just weird for a guy like me that grew up with a different version of him. Sure. Then, and maybe it's, maybe that's a fault of mine that I, I can't accept, you know, I can't uh, accept the change. Did, did you see that? I think it was a leaked video of him berating the staff. It was a like yeah, YouTube yeah. video berating yeah. the staff. Like, you know, why can't I get these A-list interviews? Honestly, I, I guess I'm in the minority. I had no problem with anything he was saying in yeah. that video because I think he's right. I think it's the biggest. You, what show can you compare to that show? Like it's not the Tonight Show, right? You know, it's not Letterman. It's it's not the Late Show. It's yeah. find a show that you can compare it with that run and that audience that has remained relevant for as long as he has. Is it relevant? I mean, Robert Downey Jr. goes on there for two hours. I mean, is he, he relevant? He, he's Iron Man. Who's relevant? Uh, yeah, you tell me who's relevant if Robert Downey Jr. isn't relevant. But if you're making an, a list of people that are relevant, who would right. be on the list? I don't know. Honest to God, Chad, I don't even know anymore. Yeah, I mean, Hillary on. I, I, yeah, I, but you look at it's. It's weird because you ask that question, and, you, and the, the thing that, that I noticed recently, you remember that all-in challenge, right, to mm -hmm. help COVID efforts, sure. and they had like the big like, rock on stage with Pearl Jam, um, go out to Hollywood and party with Diddy, whatever the stuff. And one of the things was have a TikTok with these two girls who are like the most famous TikTokers. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. Right? Who's so? What's relevant anymore? I don't even. I like, every time I, I, I look on social media. 
Here's this guy's uh, Twitter. He's, he's a famous YouTuber. Sure. Who the hell is this guy? So I don't what know. is relevant in 2020 anymore? My producer Landfill does not watch TV. He goes home and watches YouTube. And I'm always talking. I've, talk, I'm, I've oh, gotten to that point. Really? But I just watch old stuff. There's not. There's nothing. I, trust me. There's nothing new on YouTube. That's that's it's, you know it, that's I find it all I interesting. Mean, I here's and I, I guess it's an age thing. I don't know what else it could be. Unboxing videos. I don't know who that's. How is that entertaining? But that's relevant in 2020. I agree. I'm not saying <laughs> I'm right. You the, I bet you the biggest unboxer is probably as famous to that demo as Robert Downey Jr. is to you right now. Maybe you're right, but he's not Iron Man. Um, <laughs> I was sitting there. I, I, there's a, people always tell me like they say you should get on Twitch. You should play. You, you should let people watch you play video games. Right. And I'm like, that's not only is it narcissistic, it's stupid. Why would anyone do that? Right. I found a game that I liked. And I went on just to try to figure out what was going on in the world. And I watched this very famous YouTuber, I guess, play this game mm -hmm. and I provide commentary. And I could I could sit through 45 seconds of it. I'm like, this is abominable. <laughs> right. What is right. good about this? Right. But that guy's making more money than everyone in the city well, of Fairfax everybody in the room right combined. Now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get I don't get it. But, you know, maybe it's I think getting old is very difficult for people, and I think this is one of the reasons why. It's like, well, I, I'm still a human. Like, I shouldn't be able to process why. No one's been right. able to explain to me why they are entertained by this. But then right. maybe if my dad was listening, watching me listen to Onyx, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> what is that? Why would you even listen to that? Well, I can't explain it to you, old so, man. But you have a, a big responsibility now. I, I can come on here and just pontificate for right. an hour, but you have a responsibility. You have a, a, a talk show every day. Do you find it hard to be relevant in 2020? Uh, not on the radio. Do you have to be? That's a good question. Um, I don't like, I love the junkies and I love EB, but one of the bits that I hate that he does, he did this the other day. Seattle names its team the Kraken. Right. Very. Yeah, isn't it just Kraken? It's not the Kraken. I don't know. Either. It's just, you can't say the Kraken. Or I like Kraken's. the Kraken. It's just Kraken. I'm going to refer to them as the Kraken. <laughs> it's like the Stanford Cardinal. He, he gets on the air and he goes, what's a Kraken? I've never heard of a Kraken. And I'm like, first of all, you shouldn't be this braggadocious about being ignorant. I was like, but secondly, that's something to be proud of. You've never watched Clash of the Titans. Like, even if you don't know the mythology, like, oh, how about this? About three years ago, Crack and Rum, you could not watch an NFL game yeah. without there being 50 commercials right. for it. I don't want to do that. And it wasn't a bit. He really didn't know. No. And he, he followed up on Twitter. Kraken, what is that? A monster? I'm out. Like, all right, dude. <laughs> I never want to get to that point where I'm excited about my ignorance. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm worried about for me, where you're getting on the air and you're saying something absolutely like Oscar sat right where you're sitting right now and dumped ketchup all over a sausage just on a piece of chorizo the other day. What? And I just looked at him. I said, dude, do you have any idea what you're doing? Just we have always eaten it. I just like it this way. And I'm like, you should be embarrassed by this. This is something you should do at home when nobody's around. Right. I don't want to be there. Do you think that you know when you look at society, you look at social media, it's it's hard to, it's hard to be embarrassed anymore because yeah. people just don't care. I guess. I mean, that's why they say kids don't mind sending nudie pics to each other because right. they're just everyone does it. So why would I? Oh, who cares if someone sees me naked? Right. I don't know. I still feel like that's something. I, I'm with you. I, I, I think our our point of view on that is it's getting uh, outdated. Kids, very difficult. Um, all right. So you produce the junkies. You produce. You also were my professor at George Mason for mm -hmm. radio production. I believe right. it was three fifty four. Yes. Wow. Good Look at that. Unbelievable. Um, I hated that job. Did you really? I hated that job. I loved. That bums me out because it is one of the most important semesters of my life like i would not be sitting here listen, I, listen I, like, I love the students i love the actual uh teaching what do you think about roger smith uh, please so <laughs> but i i just hate it 
academia, and I'm, I'm right. doing air quotes for your listeners. Ac- and this was in 2000, 2001. Yeah. I, I would forget you it now. Do it you now. can't even, you can, someone like me who's, who's a Jewish conservative on a college campus. You can't do I, it. Please, it just would never happen. But this is, you know, this was 20 years ago that it was just, it was untenable. Sure. I mean, just the whole atmosphere. The And you you mentioned a person who was just so jealous that I actually worked in the in the industry right. and just undermined me at every point, at every possible point. Um, never. I would never in my life do it again. It was a good experience. I'm glad I did it, but never again. I'll tell you what was so valuable for me is that we were in a very tender point in radio history where at JFK, for people that don't know, we were cutting reel-to-reel tapes. Yeah, yeah that class was reel-to-reel transitioning to That's uh, exactly what it the was. The exact point in radio, uh, the radio industry that we were transitioning over. And I remember you saying to me, and I remember this, and you said, if you can cut tape, you'll never not have a job in this industry. And I was like, that's good advice. <laughs> yeah. And then now it would not give me a job in this industry. Right, right. But What's tape? We, we, so there's these big reels of tape. So, and I used to have to run overnight. So I would have to tape traffic for Stern. Right. And woe be at the person that effed up the Stern feed. I mean, it was the most stressful time in my life because it would be four o'clock in the morning. I'd be completely fried and I would hear like the, the voice come on and the speaker in the back of the room and he'd be like, all right, coming down. You take the traffic right. and then you have to rewind it and then hit that during the spot load. I, I digress. Right. Cameron was teaching us to cut tape. So if there was a, if someone said, yeah, you physically would cut that out. Turn the tape around. And now with scissors with a little like straight. Yeah, know, a little razor old, blade. Old school razor blades. And then tape <laughs> it back into the tape. Right. Which was wild. But then at the same time, we were transitioning to computers so that we were learning that. Mm-hmm. And to me, man, that was incredibly valuable just to see the work it took to make these. You listen to a production piece. No one thinks about it, like a sweeper no. rejoiner. No. It's an unbelievable process. And I would have 300 files open making sure that it all worked. Yeah. And it's just giving me incredible perspective throughout my career. I mean, think about the timing of it. <laughs> when we were doing audio projects then, and then think about audio, we were using zip disks. Yeah. Those, those like hard floppy disks, I forget how much they held, but you forget, forget just disk drives and forget the cloud. I mean, the, the actual audio files wouldn't even fit on, a, on, a, on the drive on the no. computer. And you couldn't I mean, save how long them. ago we're talking. It would load them up. I remember like getting yelled at because like, you can't save anything in this computer. You can't have to carry a little disk. Right. Um, that was really, it bums me out that you didn't like that process, but I just remember. I didn't like the academia. I like right. the teaching. I like, I like the students, but it's just all the, all the behind the scenes was just, it's just not worth it. Yeah, I get that. I, I don't even know. Do you think they offer that anymore in colleges? What, what I was learning? I mean, honest, Chad, why would you even bother having a college radio station? If you could be a radio station in your dorm room. Yeah. I mean, so forget radio production. I think radio as a whole. Who's, is anyone teaching, quote unquote, broadcasting? You know, I don't know. Everyone's a broadcaster now. Columbia School say, of Broadcasting? Why would you have to? You say you're a broadcaster now, you're a broadcaster. Hey, my Twitter bio, I'm a broadcaster. Oh, look, he's a broadcaster. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going down the UFO rabbit hole a little bit here, and it's, it's very much like, well, I'm a UFO researcher. Really? How'd you get that? <laughs> How did you become that? Where right. did you earn that degree? Right, right. It's kind of the same thing. You right. just say you are what you are. Well, I, I, look, the people that are famous for eating food now online, I mean, it's not even like, you know, Guy Fieri, any of these guys that you watched, they had did a- you call him Guy? Guy. Why Guy do you Fieri? call him Guy? Because I don't know how to say it. His name is so ridiculous, I don't- Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri. How hard is Guy Fieri? I can't say You're that. an adult man I... who talks for a living. Hold on a second. Say Guy, Guy Fieri. Guy Fieri. <laughs> I like the guy a lot. I think he... Well, he's, he's amazing. So he, he, it's a horrible rap. 
He does nothing. That, you're totally right. Isn't that incredible? They when he he had a restaurant in Times Square. They couldn't trash. I'm, I'm sure the food was horrible, whatever. But they they were so happy to trash him. Put it in Houston. He'll he'll make a billion dollars. You can't. You cannot. You got to know what New York is. You know he's at a restaurant. At the end of the show, they have on the credits. They have all the re- the locations of his restaurants. He has a restaurant in Columbia, Cartagena, Colombia. Yeah. What the hell do people care about? Gifiri, Gifiri, Gifiri in Colombia. Othman went on a cruise ship. Apparently he's oh, got, he's had a cruise ship. Yeah, he's got. A, he, a he has too. a burger chain that is only on cruise ships, <laughs> and you can't he, buy the burgers on he, land. But people hate him. People hate. It's the hair. And it's the beads, and it's the sunglasses on the back of the head. That guy has done more for small businesses probably than anybody in America. All he oh. does is go around oh, and bolster restaurants around the country did and make see, them successful. When Krasinski had his feel-good show, whatever that was, did you yeah. see a segment when, when Gee was on Gee. that show? No. And he surprised him with a $3 million check from Pepsi. And, and, and you know, and Gee was, now I'm, I'm going to have to say Gee. <laughs> Every time I watch that show, I'm going to say Gee now. It's My wife's going to smack me in the head. It's infectious. Um and you saw that the just the emotion in his face and, and how happy he was. You're right. The guy in this COVID nightmare, the guy has given his life, Man. and he has a huge platform. But no matter what, people are going to hate him because they love to hate. They love to hate for some reason popularity. Mm-hmm. But you know, some some idiot YouTuber. They 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 don't have a bad thing to say about them. You ever talk to Larry the Cable Guy? Uh, just on Twitter a couple times. That guy is on a success story like no American success story. He, I remember listening to 98 Rock, Kirk Mark and Lopez, and Larry the Cable Guy was just calling in because that was his job. He would call in as the wacky redneck guy to radio shows. Wow. And all of us, now he's what he is. Yeah. You can say whatever you want about him, but he's completely trashed and discredited and all of this stuff. Well, and it's because like, he leans conservative, first of all. I mean, he's well, going to get destroyed on social media. Sure. I, but, but what I'm saying is maybe like if we could put that aside, the optics of a thing seem to be so important and the way the person looks and the way the person ca- carries themselves. Gee, if he <laughs> looked like, um, who's the gray hair guy everybody pretends to like? Dead. Uh, Alan Al- no, Alan no, no, the guy on the, the food show. <laughs> Everybody pretends to like this guy. I Anthony don't know. Bourdain. Him. Oh, he was he was an act, he was he was a thinker. What I'm saying is, if he looked like Anthony Bourdain, he didn't look like Guy Fieri. I think, and his name was Jack Ryan. I think he probably wouldn't take as much crap as he does. That's all I'm saying. That guy's a stud. All he does, I went to, the, dude, I went down the Outer Banks. He went down there, and there's a restaurant and a gas station. It's a great place. It's called Cravings. And the bartender was sitting there. And I was like, "How did Guy come here? Because he's, whenever he goes to a place, he stencils his." picture on a wall yes. says, yes. here. so I said, is, it, is it weird that i go to restaurants based on that when i'm traveling around the country you trashy like me i love that i love it whatever i can i, I find saw it. that on tv that's right so i went to bacon in austin texas <laughs> um i went in there and i said how did he how did he come he goes he got gas here he came in and like talked to us a little bit he said he asked us for three menu items and i was like you mean he didn't have it planned out what he was doing down here he's like no nah. he just ate a couple of things and said, all right we're putting you on the show and he said they've become, you know, institutions now because of that. They had a show on the other day about what he's done for some of these restaurants. Mm-hmm. And he just, he's changed their lives. There's this, do you know Chap's Pit Beef? Yeah, in of course. Baltimore? Fantastic place. I love Pit Beef. They were, they had the owners on. He was, that was one of their original locations. And the owners now have like three locations. They're rolling in money. And it's all thanks to this, to Gee, your Gee, buddy. That's my guy. Uh, and this is what he does. But yeah, he's still. Kiss his face. I got to stop you for one second. Sure. What is your deal with the Outer Banks? You have a weird, I mean, yeah. I've never seen someone obsessed about a place as you are obsessed. about Outer Banks. You tweet about that place like it's Oz. It is. It's you, like, ever, you ever been there? 
I've been there once and I remember liking it, but to you, it's like free on every corner. Oh my and, God. And it's like free. But I'm just saying, you like, you, I can't, I've never seen someone like a place as much as you like Outer Banks. And it's okay. almost creepy. You think it's creepy? It's weird. Well, we're letting, we're letting the, <laughs> the, we're swinging away here, aren't we? Um, all right, a couple things. That's, that's strange. I was, I mean, you bushwhacked me. Um, my mom is overweight. Okay. And she lets it rule her life. She will, mm. we never went to the beach as a kid, ever. We, oh. we went to the mountains. Oh, okay. Okay. And we went to the mountains in August and it was <sighs> miserable. Um, and we did that our entire life. She started dating a guy that had a beach house in Duck. Okay. And we went to the beach house and I loved it. Right. And this is when? Eh, probably I was becoming a teenager. Okay. Um, so there's that, and she just like wouldn't go to a pool, wouldn't go to a goddamn no, beach. That's too bad. It's well, but she's a grown woman. Like at some point, I, it's I, like I, I, I get it. I have but a little a, bit of sympathy, but I'm a fat guy. I'm not gonna not go to the beach I, because I, of that. Yeah, I know. So there's that. Secondly, have you ever been to Ocean City? Well, Ocean City, Maryland is a toilet. Ocean City, New Jersey is one of the greatest never cities been on there. Earth. It's in New Jersey, so I would never go there. Ocean City, New Jersey it should be burned is, is to probably the to, to me what you, what the outer well, banks are to you. I feel bad for you, thank you. Please, but we, I'm glad we agree. Ocean City, Maryland is a, is is a disgusting. I can't explain toilet. how gross it is. It's the worst beach town maybe in America. When I was about 21, I went to Ocean City with Ugh. a buddy. And never, I'll never go back. Because I was like, I want to go to the beach. Yeah. It's only two hours away. Oof. It was so dirty. The worst. And so gross. And there were so many people. Ugh. I mean, just, if you wanted to go to the beach, the person is on a towel next to you as a stranger. <laughs> In the Outer Banks, and one of the reasons why I don't, I shouldn't plug it as much as I do. Never. There's, it's space. You right. can breathe. People are usually happy you're there. Um, it's just like, a, and I went down there during COVID and it's like, it's own little its own little fiefdom like nobody's right. affected everybody's fine we're all just sitting out on the beach everything's cool it's always been that to me where you cross the bridge it, you just leave everything else behind okay. that's it are you going to retire there i don't think it's so because i don't want to ruin it um why would you ruin it i think if i'm there every day it's not as special oh okay. so i was thinking like raleigh okay. in north carolina i was going to stay in virginia raleigh yeah wow well not somewhere in north carolina okay i was going to stay here my whole life but no you gotta, I, you gotta get out of here. This place is it's the most dysfunctional. Not here, north of Virginia. I was gonna stay in Virginia. Like I was gonna find some place in Virginia. Wait, Farmville? Where are you gonna go? I don't know. I like Virginia, um, but it's just you know. Did you see Rogan's leaving to go to Texas? He left already, right? I think so. I, I saw a, a billboard on Twitter today. Uh, keep your politics where you left them. Where do you think? Well, well, <laughs> where do you uh, where do you put him in? How do you slot him into what we're talking about? He's I, a unicorn, I think. I'll be I'll be honest with you. I am. I don't know. I had a, I guess I can, I can tell this story. I had a Please. really bad experience with Joe Rogan. Really? Yeah. Um, Super Bowl? No, I was, the last show, I don't know if I, I don't want to mention it because it's, it's my, it, you know, my last job in broadcast. Sure. My life, it was, uh, it was politically leaning. It okay? certainly was. Not you. Right. Not me. <laughs> not me at all. So it's kind of a, God, this is a convoluted story. So the, the show that I was on, that I worked on, got a deal to be on a TV show of a certain outdoor segment. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Sure. An outdoor style show. They had another host on that show who they were really into. So that show, the, that host got on Rogan's show. Okay. And so, Rogan's a big hunter. Yeah. And so somehow the show I worked on got bamboozled into going out to Los Angeles 
to broadcast from Los Angeles to get on the the Rogan show as well to do this whole synergistic promotion, okay. this weird thing. So we make all these plans. We go out to Los Angeles. We have a really good show. You know, it's some guys in our world, like you know, Kurt Schlichter, sure. you know, some some really good fun voices. So we become friends. Do this great show in Los Angeles. So the show's over. And we drive somewhere in the valley. I don't, I don't know Los Angeles at all. We, we go to the studio, and it's in the middle. It kind of looks like, well, people can't see this, but it's kind of like in the middle of a, a corporate park. There's nothing remarkable about it at all. It's just like, here's, here's a doctor's office, and here's a printing company. Right. And there's just, you just go to this, this, this generic industrial park. And we go into this, there's like an ante room. And then there's the studio. First of all, the ante room stinks of, of weed like you've never wow. smelled before. I mean, it's just. And I'm not a I'm not a pot person. So I just like I have no I have no use for that. So we go into this ante room, and there's nobody there. Hmm. It's just it's like there's this big glass table and like this weird statue, and it's just empty. Other than that, it's like it's, it's like someone got a divorce and moved out, and left a few pieces of furniture. And then so then so by. Hearing it, you hear that the studio, the show's in the next room. So I'm waiting in this room, and the host goes into because there's no one to greet us, right? And we've no, and no one has any idea what's going on. So the host goes that I was working with goes into Rogan's studio and just sits himself down, and no one has any clue why he's there. No one has any clue what he's doing. And the guy, the other host that they were promoting, was already there. They everyone knew who he was. So they, no one told. The Rogan people, what we what our plan was, so they kind of threw my guy into into this pit, and he had to like introduce himself on the show, say why he was there. It was the most uncomfortable wow. experience of my life. But you it blame was, Joe for that? Well, no, no, no I didn't. Oh. Play, no, I'm not oh. blaming. I'm just saying that's, I, that's why I have a bad. Uh, oh, bad you have impression. a bad connotation because yeah, that's I always think of him with with, with, with that incident. Sure. So it, but that's it was, awful. And, so, and and I'm sitting there and like. And uh, during, I guess, a break, he comes in because the bathroom is in the same room as I am in. And he kind of looks at me and just kind of, ugh, like the grunts at me. So that's my only ex- <laughs> exposure <laughs> to Joe Rogan ever. So that's always going to be how I associate him. That's it's, strange. He's grunting at me while I'm sitting there where the host, who has, he had no idea why he was on his show. And, it, and to his credit, he didn't say, hey, F, you get out of my studio. Right, which is he, what I would have done. Yeah, of course. Like who, some idiot walks off the street in California and comes into your studio and you're Joe Rogan on the biggest podcast in the world. But he still let him be there. But the whole thing was just so effing weird. It's probably all the pot that you're so mad about. Everybody's laid back. <laughs> so effing weird and uncomfortable. Oh, it was, it was a bad, bad experience. That's a, that's a wild story. The, 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 you reminded me of something. Here's another bit. The, I don't know if people will ever have the context that they haven't worked in radio. Of what it's like when the studio door opens during your show. Because it's just, it's the most verboten thing on earth. But then it's also, you have certain people that are completely oblivious to that. And there's, there's here's the way it works. In every studio, a good studio, there's a light out front says on air. And when the mics go on, it immediately says on air. And it that is there for the single purpose of you do not disturb the person that's doing the show because you're locked in doing the show. I can't tell you how many times in my life, like a salesperson has just barged in and <laughs> so, just walked in. And you're like, the fact that that's allowed. How did you get be, through the door? That should be a fireable offense. Well, CK does not tolerate it. Thank God. So yeah. like, it's only happened once or twice, but I'm like, how did this person get this far into the radio industry and think this is acceptable behavior? <laughs> right, right. And it's, and it's a feeling you probably have had it, Cameron. 
it's a feeling of panic like I've never had in real yeah. life before because yeah. you're yeah. like, okay, right. we're under attack. Right. Someone, there's you're a gunman totally in the building. You're totally throwing train of thought. I mean, it's, it's, it's so uncomfortable. But you, the first thing I think of is the only reason this person would do this is because there's something horrible going on. And I'm being told because I got to get out of the building. Yeah, because you're fatalistic. Well, what else would it be? Because they could, certainly wouldn't be walking in to ask what my endorsement fee is. Well, maybe they'd say, hey, great ratings. Here's your bonus get you're not getting. Get out of here. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Listen, I'm not going to argue with you. When I was when I was there, the fights, Chad. When we had the uh, when it went from the Stern show to the Liddy show, yeah. And remember, Stern would go for like an hour, hour and a half without taking a break. And you know, God forbid we don't get a commercial. And Chad, I swear to God, and you might remember this, we had half hour. Commercial oh, breaks. I absolutely we remember had, that. You talk about the carts in the early in this in this episode. We had stacks of carts that sometimes played two or three times in the stop set right. because they had because they were supposed to be slotted in separate breaks but we had to get them in i remember those because it was breaks. because it was quote unquote still during the stern show because once you started the liddy show you couldn't get away with it anymore so we we would fight like how f- long can this can we stop it at 20 minutes can we stop it at 25 minutes can we do something to shorten this effing break never you we had to run every time we lost every fight with sales yeah. because every spot had to get right it was like if you're a listener who the fuck is gonna listen to right. 30 minutes of converse and they didn't care it was so crazy i remember during the junkies when you when you were there and the eatings it would be a 10 minute break it'd be 10 minutes of yeah, john and mike would go late to her invariably as oh, well do you remember that john? were you there for that big fight which one so there's a legendary fight um, the baseball bat fight yes oh yeah are you there for that oh yeah now correct me <laughs> if i'm wrong you should talk about that that fight was based off of Don was dumping the spots. Like Don and Mike would go late, first of all, and then they would push all of their spots into the junkies' time. So it, there would be times when the junkies would be coming on at 7.45 yeah. when their start time was at 7 because yeah. Don and Mike were doing that. Yeah, That's what I thought the baseball I, bat I, fight was about. I, I got to be completely honest with you, uh, Chad. I don't 100% remember why the fight. I just remember the baseball bat fight. And I remember because I... I don't know why, but I guess because I was in management or working, you know, from my point of view, I I remember I, I remember EB and JP. Well, to set it still, up. Were you operations manager while Don was program director, or were you that afterwards? Because Don Geronimo was the program yeah, director. That was for like a month or something. That'd be something. like making me the program director. Yeah, Can you was, imagine me was, being in charge no, of that, personnel? That didn't last long. I think I was operations manager after that. But there was something. The, yeah, because I think Don was program director when I was producing the show, and I was like, okay, well, he's the program director, sure. I gotta do something, and I remember I did something that EB and, and JP got so, it's the only time I think we've ever had a fight, but it, was, it wasn't a fight, they were just really mad at me, right. and I'll, I'll never forget, we, here in Fairfax, we went down to the Ruby Tuesday, yeah. and we sat in the parking lot, and, and JP and EB just they, they had it out with me, and I said, you're totally right. And, and, what was it about? Do you remember? I, I, I'm, and I'm sorry if this, I'm disappointing you and, and your listeners. I don't remember exactly what the fight about. I, it was about this, this baseball bat incident. And I think it would make sense to what you're saying. The baseball but, bat. You don't remember what the baseball bat fight was? I don't remember. So, I wish I could. I, I feel ugh, I Don, feel awful. I don't even know if I'm supposed to be saying Well, should this. we explain the baseball bat? Because it was from... Untouchables. Um, the Untouchables. Yeah. With the, with the, the, the mafia head would, would walk around the baseball bat. First of all, Don Geronimo is a radio genius i i've listened to that man for his entire career i would never say otherwise but it, like all of us he's a broken man and he was also if you're broken and very powerful it's how Stern could get away with doing an hour and 20 minutes on broadcast radio and dumping all of his spot load and everybody because he made so much money <laughs> right. that what are they going to tell him right. so don is the program director 
There's this fight that happens between him and the junkies, right? Where JP, I believe, this is again, I, I think it was air quotes, wanted to be on at seven, right? Don's, this, this all this all rings familiar. Don's argument was: we get monster ratings, we get, make all the revenue, right. we'll go yeah. for as long as right. we want. Which again, there's actually a little bit of validity right. to that. Argument. Yeah, right. That makes sense. Don is the program director. The junkies all get called into a room, and Don is the program director, and they're all sitting around a table. There is a scene in The Untouchables where, and Don always thought he was in the mafia. Right. Like he always thought he was John Gotti. Right. I, I just always remember that. <laughs> he has a baseball bat. And Al Pacino, Al Pacino, Robert De Niro's walking Al around as Al Capone with a baseball bat, right. slapping it, giving a speech, and then he beats a guy to death. Right. Don calls the junkies in and has a baseball bat <laughs> right. and tries to do the part of a team speech right. in a goddamn meeting when he's the program director. And I remember hearing about this. I'm like, that can't be true. How could that possibly? But it happened. Yeah. Um, and I remember eventually they were on eight. They bumped them from seven to 11 to eight to 12. Right. And that way, Don and Mike right. could go it for as late right. as they want. It was less of an issue. But that was one of those crazy stories that I always couldn't believe was true. And then I got assured by several people it was true. Yeah, it was true. So, but, it, it, but it's weird because it was because I had other than Don, I, I had a really good time at the station. I didn't really have any problems with anybody. You ever talk to John Norman about Don? No, should I? <laughs> well, that's a, yeah. Okay, Jorman. Jorman was our producer. He got put on to our show after he got fired from Don and Mike because he was just getting it. Him and Don just were not right. getting along. Right. And Jorman's crazy, a hundred percent. But he, I, I we. He's more miserable than you are. He really is. He's probably the most unhappy person on earth. He, cut, he cuts carrots for a living. So. <laughs> But is he happy? But that's the question. Is he happy that's now? That's why I respect John Norman probably more than I respect most people in my life. I can never do what he did. He was I, unhappy. Right. And he said, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. I'm going to go to cook school. But here's the question. Is he happy now? I, I haven't so. talked to him recently. He seems very happy. Yes. He seems or is? Yeah, I think he's very happy. He's got pot. He's got disc golf. He's got all of his cats. Because that was a miserable dude. Really unhappy. Do you like John Norman? I love John Norman. I love it. I hate. I, I, that's why I say he's one of my favorite people. I hated him. that he was so miserable. I, 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 he was one of the funniest, nicest, coolest guys, but he was just so effing unhappy. But that's why I think it's so wild. He hates Don so much <laughs> that he can't let go of it. Like I'll just be talking to him. Don Geronimo, and I'm like, Don, it's, it's <laughs> just out of the blue. Here. Yeah. <laughs> I certainly have my stories with Don, but I'd like, I'm over it. It's like, what are you going to do now? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry that he still holds on to it. What do you make of him? Who? Don. I mean, I think he's the biggest radio figure in DC history. I, I would put him above. I know Greece was here for a time. Stern was here for a time. But for that show's run, um, okay. and no disrespect to the junkies or anybody else, just I've would never you say him. It was him or uh, and Mike. Mike's great, and Mike's awesome, and Mike does his own show. But it was Don was just eight hundred pound gorilla in the right. market. Well, he and, was. He did lead that show. Yeah, I mean, for all, I mean, Mike. Mike was along for the ride. I think Mike's purpose was probably very difficult to do what Mike did for as many years as he did because of, of it. But I just, I have so much conflict because Don tried to get. I mean, Don tried to blackball me in radio. Oh, me too. Like Don tried to make sure I never got a job. <laughs> Same here. Um, <laughs> tried to get me fired numerous times. I know, which is wild though, because I remember being eleven and listening to him on WAVA. <laughs> right now he's got a, he's got a personal vendetta against you I, of all people. I'm sitting in Baltimore. I'm like 26. We got this job we weren't qualified for. And I remember Don saying, "Chad Dukes will never work in this business again." And I'm like, "Holy, <laughs> what, what do I do now?" Right, right, right. And then my program, and then the, the general manager at the time, I won't say the guy's name, but Jesus Christ, we could do a whole show on him. He comes in and pulls my headphones aside and says, talk smack about Don and Mike. 
did he? Well, meanwhile, they're our afternoon show. They're syndicated everywhere. We've been on the job for like three months. <laughs> oh. I'm like, you, you, I, did he do it no, uh, more than one time? Mm-hmm. Holy crap. And he come in and pull my headphone aside and... Which is just the worst. I mean, even if you think the guy's not good at his job, you never do that to a host right, of course. when they're on the air. But That's like hotlining. Yeah. Oh, by the <laughs> way, you got to tell that story. You got... It's a shame because it's a great rant. You were the operations manager when Ron and Fez were here. Yes. And there is an infamous quote, uh, segment where Ron is going crazy on you, losing his mind. Right. And that was a miscommunication. I have spoke to you about this. Uh, Hunter, it was... It was uh, that was one of the... I'd, my relationship with, with Ron Fez was very tenuous, I, to be honest. Um, that was such an odd it was period the, of the, history, the, the though. Whole, yeah, I would, that's one of those parts of, of my career I'd love to just, just rewind. But there was a time... Well, um, you called me a pervert for liking the Outer Banks, so we're going to have to talk about it. I called you, I called you creepy. <laughs> creepy. Oh, sorry. Creepy, not a pervert. Sorry. Wrong pejorative. So there was a, there was a segment. Um, I was listening. And I didn't hear Fez. I, did, I, I literally did not. This is when they were on evenings at WJ. This is on evenings. And I was just listening to, this, to the station. And, you know, Ron could rant and, and go on for a long time. And I wouldn't think anything of it. But Fez was just markedly not there. Which is odd because if people listen to Ron and Fez towards the end, that was standard operating procedure. Right. This was the very beginning. This of is kind the, of that, the early days. Yeah, mental illness. And he just, just wasn't there. Wasn't wasn't participating so I just, I, it was Giant Brian, I remember at the time. I Brian remember. Brothers, now a, a famed real estate agent in Pittsburgh, because everyone eventually leaves radio. Didn't he do mornings like in Atlanta or something? He did. Yeah. He did. Um, he just, was in the business for a minute. He's, he, he's a very talented guy. I don't know why he's not uh, why he's not on the radio. Because but he's like John. John Norman probably just, it's a f- business. He'll burn you out, get, man. You eventually yeah. get out of it if you have sense. Um, you don't have to worry about it, Jester. So. Jesus. So I'm just listening to this, and I'm just like, I'm really concerned. It's like, where the f- is fed. I don't right. hear him at all. So I hotline Brian and I said, "Hey, is, is Fez okay? Is everything okay?" For context, the studio. This is not the way it is anymore. The, the where we, the producer would sit, stand at the control board is right in front of the talent. In our room now, they have their own room. Right. So if you hotline, yeah, we, landfill, were, we were in the same room back then. Yeah, if you hotline right. grab T shirt, the, the the host wouldn't know. Right. But this is the producers being hotlined, and the hosts are in the same room. Right. So I, I hotlined them, and I just I literally this was I was I had nothing to say about Ron. I had nothing to say about the show. I literally wanted to know if Fez was okay because right. it just didn't sound something sounded wrong. And and Brian said, "Yeah, everything's fine." Don't worry about it and then i never the craziest thing is i never heard this rant never because this is back in the you couldn't go back and put listen to the podcast sure. and I, I didn't i heard about it later on but and you probably know better than i do but you know so so ron said to brian who was that and he said it was me asking and ron like said i'm gonna rip the effing phone out he of the went, wall he, went insane. he was so i mean the guy hated me from day one anyway and that's, he really oh yeah we never we never got along um that's a shame. It is a shame. It is. A, that was. That was. That was. But that for, had to be. If you know about the history of their show, Cameron, like that, there was so much going on then that had nothing to do well, with listen, you. One hundred percent. This right. is. This is why I don't. I don't harbor a grudge against Ron Bennington. I never will for the rest of my life because they were. Sh- 
so badly yeah. by CBS Radio Fitty, whatever it was back then. They had such a good thing going with, with Ron and Fez, and, and everyone was getting along so well. And they kind of dumped him on, on JFK after because there was, I guess, nowhere else to put him. Or What's after what, the NEW blow up happened? Yeah, well, all that nonsense. So they got a raw deal. So I don't begrudge whatever anger and hate he had. But those were those were some difficult days. Those were those were not fun days. No, I remember that. I remember the, the only thing the time I had interaction I'd had with the show is I uh, was your student, I think, and you brought me in to hold a boom mic. If somebody was getting spanked i don't remember why <laughs> but there was a, ba- a bunch of spanking was going on and i got to be in there for the show and it was like it was just like i, I like the gathering of the juggalos it was just such a weird was, hodgepodge was, of humanity such, yeah it was a very weird show very weird it, it, and, and 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 it's and the 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 mega fans were just it bizarre. was bizarre the whole thing just if you ever to write a, a chapter of radio history, the Ron and Fez chapter is just, it's just everything about it was it's just slightly off. Yeah, you know there was nothing mainstream about it at all. Which is, I guess it's JFK, that's fine. But there's something about the show, maybe that's why it worked for so many people because it was so different. Maybe it was a it was an outlet for some for some, but it's just it was a, behind the scenes. It was a it was a weird. <laughs> it was like. It was like the every time I listened to it back then, it's it was way different on Sirius XM, where it, it was became one of my favorite shows. It was like you were walking in on a conversation halfway through, and you didn't know any of the players or what yeah, the hell was, was going very, on. Well, it was, you know, it was. Remember, they even had that radio inside. It was the most inside show. It was all. It was all inside jokes. You had to be. You really had. To, it was like a, a soap opera. You had to know the characters, or if you joined it midway, you were done. And it was just for P ones. Like I, I don't know how a casual <laughs> yes. listener would ever yes. pick up on that show. It was so bizarre. <laughs> but Ron, I, I remember hearing him scream, and I remember years later talking to you about it. And you're like. I don't know what he was angry about. Yeah. I just wanted to figure out if this was okay. Uh, that was but it just it was just emblematic. And the guy just the guy hated DC, I think. But he just he hated me personally. It was just we never got along. He probably was upset about where they were in their careers at I that mean, point. I mean, yeah, think about it. You go from from New York radio to you're in fair I mean, I know it's DC radio, but you're sitting in Fairfax, yeah, 20 Virginia. Minutes, 25 minutes outside of you know, DC. It's yeah, it's like in the middle of nowhere suburbia. That had to be a And I love that building, but can you imagine going from like high rise in Manhattan to you're in 1800 no, Main Street? No, that's the thing. So that's why I don't I don't hold a grudge against those guys. I get it. I yeah. mean, it was a, it was a time. Yeah, it was. Um people always I've I've it ain't ever coming back. Um no. whatever that was. No. But I'm but that's the thing, Chad. That's it. It's it's not even coming back on like internet radio or satellite radio. There's nothing like it. Do you sure. know anything like it now? What about Barstool, you and 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 the junkies are the closest vestiges that's of it. it. Well, I mean, you you but, still but have. you're pigeonholed into sports now. Jim and Sam's show on Sirius Stern still doing a show on Sirius. Uh, that whatever that. Um, but like, but like it was like it used to be. No, it's nothing like that ever again. Um, I get. What about Barstool? I go back and forth on Barstool. That guy Portnoy, just I, he's such a dick. But I guess that's why people like him. Yeah. I, I, Don't you I, think I, that's by design? I mean, I, I don't. Th- I don't think you can you can fake that. I think that okay. guy's genuinely a dick. <laughs> um, but but I see. That's the thing. I'm glad you asked it because so the other day, the guy Portnoy does an interview with, with Trump, which I thought was unbelievable. I don't like the guy at all. I go back and forth, like I said. But I thought that interview was incredible because it was there was no. Agenda. Yeah. It was. It wasn't stilted one way. It was just two guys talking. I thought. I thought it was a fantastic. By the interview. way, his quote on that, where he says, "If a president invites me to the White House, I go." Yeah, that's always been. Of course, that's that's kind of what. It's just a respect for the institution, 100%. if nothing else. Yeah. But so then I saw. You might know better than I do. So then I saw other words afterwards. There was a. a 
I always think of John Norman, this guy Big Cat. Yeah, he's another show. His big John Norman's nickname was Big yeah, Cat. So I always trust think, me, the Big Cat phenomenon <laughs> on Barstool is mess my world up. But so the guy, because I say Big Cat, nobody thinks John Norman. They think I, that I always guy. think John Norman. So the, <laughs> the guy like has a segment where he's pissed off about the whole yeah. interview. I don't, I don't get the dynamic at all. That's a massive show. Uh, that show, that part of my take. But why show. is it so big? Uh, I think young people listen to that instead of the radio. I think they do. I, look, I think those guys are funny, and I I am in awe of that empire. Like, I have so yeah. much respect for bootstrapping the way that they did, and they're not what we're talking about with podcasters. It's like they turn this thing into a yeah, yeah. monster, well, yeah, yeah. and it's just like well, where they did and I out heard, of nothing. And I heard in the Trump interview, like he, they, they were bought by a gaming company. You know, I can't imagine what he cashed out for. I don't know. Um, I just know that that. If we're talking about that. So that guy was a, the big cat was upset because he said, if you're going to take an interview with the president, that means we're talking politics now. And I should have been consulted because I'm one of the owners of this thing. Um, oh, he's an owner. Apparently. Apparently uh, there's four of them. He's one of them. Okay, that's uh, right. I, that, yeah, I get that. I have a little. I don't know how I feel. First of all, if I own the company like Portnoy is the, you know, the big cheese. Yeah. I don't know He's if I have to ask. I think of. If, if the president wants an interview, I don't know that I'm asking Yeah, I mean, this anybody. isn't an interview with Mariano. It was an, it was an interview with, with Trump. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that guy's politics are different. And I think, well, obviously. And I think that he's using this as a reason to show his displeasure. Because they've interviewed Fauci. I mean, they've done political interviews before uh, on the Barstool okay. Network. So it's like, eh. Right. You know, if he was interviewing Biden, I mean, he, now he claims... Big Cat claims that him and PFT got offered an interview with Biden and they turned it down. Oh. If that's true. Well, that's that's something. I'll, yeah. Then I'll I give you that. That's and look, fair. I also get, he's like, look, I don't want to talk politics because I don't feel qualified and I don't want to take the baggage that comes along with it. I want to be funny. But I don't think Portnoy talked politics. It's a political interview by nature. But I understand that thought. I understand wanting to not get into because here's another problem. Cameron, I posted on today, uh, Sports Illustrated came out with this story. It said, in a walk-off win, the athletics broke social distancing and celebration. And I just wrote, piss off. Because oh, it's like all, it's, is, it's just, just lecturing, yeah, nagging. Every, right. Everything about sports now is a lecture. So I put, it's so painful. And that's what I'm talking about. It's like, sports are gone. Like, it's all now, everything is political. What, so was, I, it, you said, what was that quote that Doolittle said? Sports are the, are the um, reward for yeah. something society. Sean Doolittle. Come on, man. Well, a lot of people <laughs> agree with him. A lot of people that are Nationals fans agree with him. Um, and he... So anyway, I posted this up and then I get, instead of just being like, oh yeah, that's a stupid headline. It's just nothing but one side and the other side using that as ammunition right. for their argument. Right. I'm like, dude, I don't, the best it's, I can it's do. It's just not fun anymore. No. It was, and, and in 2020, when you need an escape so badly, so badly. To, to get this escape and everything about it is polarized it's 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 political it's slogans it's hashtags it's you didn't do this you did this you didn't kneel you kneeled. everyone else kneeled no one kneeled I, it's just like play the, I, mean, I get it it's it, sports has always been political but now it's nothing but politics yeah. you, I can't, you can't even enjoy it anymore no um, i don't know maybe it hasn't affected the ratings yet but it's not gotten to this level yet either where it's non-stop 100 well, I mean, of the time well what was it the 232 percent higher ratings for the for the opener right, right the, people, because because people just wanted to see a game people but they're gonna were, they're gonna get bombarded for for months or well, weeks that aren't people, people claiming longer. wins over that saying like well this means that sports and politics can't be no, <laughs> right. no, 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 no 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 people were desperate <laughs> for a baseball right. game people are watching german soccer because it's a live event. I'm very. <laughs> I, I've lost a lot of respect for a lot of sports fans. I was like, why don't you 
watch some of the movies you haven't watched. You know, there, I used it as a time to like catch up on stuff. Like I never watched The Birds. Right. I feel like I should have watched. Wait, did that. you watch it on Peacock? Yeah, I did too. Did you really? I like. I, I had. How do s- I have Peacock for free? By the way, I would never sign up for Peacock. <laughs> I like. I see the service Peacock. And Peacock. I, I, I this just, is war. Peacock. I, like, I, I say to myself, I like. Who the, who the f- am I? I've never seen Alfred Hitchcock movies. I, I I'm, I'm lacking in my life. Did you like the birds? No, I hated it. It was awful. It was so boring. Like, what the? Why is this a classic movie? movie? The birds. I am like I'm going through this. I'm watching um Rear Window and Vertigo. That's terrible too. What the? And by the way, Vertigo's got Jimmy Stewart in it, one of my favorite actors on earth. It was a terrible movie. Terrible movie. Awful movie. But I'm thinking to myself, I'm so happy that I had this service where I could watch these classic movies. We're at 49 years old. Holy. Yeah. What the fuck? Why haven't I seen these movies? They're terrible movies. Terrible movies. <laughs> I went through a phase where on Netflix, when I was caring about myself, I would ride the elliptical and I would watch movies that I knew I should have watched and I never had. Right. And I found some great ones. Like, you go back and watch all Paul Newman movies. Like, it's just yeah. Robert Redford. Like, I finally watched Butch Cassidy and the Sundance right. Kid. I, somehow I'd never seen that. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. this is great. Yeah. N- Alfred Hitchcock can pound it it's, up his pound hole. How is he so revered? I think, you know what it is, man? Like, do you ever watch those 80s movies that don't hold up? Okay, like Back I, to the Future right. holds up, right? Right, yeah, but but Spring Break uh, does not hold up. No, you go back and watch <laughs> Porky's or something like that. It's you're embarrassed. I think there's there's pieces of art that you can appreciate in any time period, and then there's pieces of art where you had to be there. And I think if you weren't there, like I needed to watch the birds when I was three before I had seen Event Horizon. But Hitchcock is like one of those things like you have to like, you know, you have to. If you're you're a film student, you have to be reverent of uh, of Hitchcock. But if you were shown bestiality porn before you were shown shown man on woman missionary porn. Right. Man on woman missionary porn probably wouldn't hit the same way that it did because you watched. You have a. Up mine, my well, friend. You called me a pervert because <laughs> I like to go to the beach. Uh, we'll probably have to do a part two, I would imagine, Cameron, right. for God's sake. We've been going for a full hour. Jesus. I, I feel like Christ. we haven't talked about anything that we wanted to, at least that I wanted to. But f- Alfred Hitchcock. I hate that guy. I don't understand. Like, Peacock while we're at it. Peacock, I can't get angry at it because they're giving it to me for free. And, right. I, you know, I like another thing to peruse. To- I watched a movie the other day. Have you ever seen Hell Comes to Frogtown? No. Well, there you go. I got, I got I, some homework for you. Chad, I went through, the, I did a, a total rabbit hole search yesterday for old, old movies on P. It's right. weird that we're talking about this. There was on there that I wouldn't have like watched. It was like a high school play sure. and they put a put graphics on it. They call it a movie. Sure. I mean, there's such online, but it's analogous to like we were talking earlier. Anyone who has a, has a microphone as a, as a podcaster, not anyone who made a movie is a movie star. Can I tell you about how it comes to Frogtown real quick? Please. Roddy Piper. Oh, done. Stop. Rowdy Roddy Stop. Piper. Stop. Done. Stars as a man that can still blow a load. And the apocalypse has happened. And they need this. They need men to blow loads into women because there's not enough people. What? So he's wearing, he's wearing an electronic chastity belt. And there's this corporation of women that has had some fertile females get absconded with by a town filled with mutant frogs. Man, and I'm they done. drive Roddy Piper to the town to impregnate these women. You had Mitt Piper. Greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. Can we finish with one question? Please. Do we like wrestling? Boy, that is... That's a way more complicated question than... Yeah, it's yes or no question. Now? No. 1974. Yes, now. No. Agreed. Yeah. Sad. Very sad. I spent, I can't tell you how many hours of my life I've spent consuming and talking about professional well, That's wrestling. why I asked you, because I'm the same, I mean, me yeah, and you are our kindred sad. spirits. We, we have a lot of the same thoughts, and I agree. Yeah. I root for a lot of the guys. I like have, a lot of the guys. Right. Uh, the, a lot of the guys have been good to me, and I, I want the best for them, but 
there isn't one piece of it that I enjoy right now. So, yeah, that's sad. Hey, you bummed me out at the end of the show. All right. Good times. At Cameron underscore Gray. G-R-A-Y. Give him a follow. Yeah, what's with those E-Y people? Just like Alfred Hitchcock. Get out of here. No, hey, what's, with, what's with underscores? Give me my real name. Yeah, that sucks. Why do you do that? <laughs> because there's a guy, there's a dick in Australia with Cameron Gray with that underscore who hasn't used his account in like 17 years. Cameron Gray Radio. Huh? Cameron Gray Radio. Chad, uh, I'm so out of radio. Oh, stop it. Dude, I'm, I'm done. This this is, you know, he, here's the great I thing. I saw you at an XFL game doing stuff. A, <laughs> you saw me working for a company that is going under. Well, they all are. Because of COVID. Yeah. So I am so grateful that as we tape this at the towards the end of July, that my radio career is ending at the end of next month. <laughs> this so is the perfect. This is like. This no is, wrestling, no Hitchcock, this, no radio. This is your life on on podcast. I guess. Because it was a great retrospective it's of my career. not what I expect it's over cameron underscore craig <laughs> give him a follow for nothing to do with radio uh thank you thank you for coming but it's Goodbye. great to see you uh, thank you to monks barbecue please visit them in percival the absolute best food on the planet monks bbq on all the social medias thank you to jimmy jester baba booey baba booey baba, <laughs> baba booey to you all and of course uh, if you get a diary remember to write us down you p1s <laughs>